the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. I'm Rob Black. On today's show, I'm going to have CFP Chad Burton. He is an CFP and regional director with EP Wealth, certified financial planner means he's a fiduciary. A lot of what he and I talk about t- ties into wealth management, retirement planning. He does a great job with presentations and he makes that part of age 60 to 100 digestible and puts it into perspective. We have a big event coming up, seven tests of retirement readiness and happiness. I like that we've added the word happiness to it because there's no sense being miserly in retirement and miserable. Those are supposed to be your golden years. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. Chad Burton, retirement, golden years, happy. Uh, that's the that's meant to be the right vibe, but it's it's kind of stressful as well getting there. Well, it is, and I think I've you know mentioned this before. Watching people retire and helping them through retirement in the different phases of life since I was nineteen years old. Um, it, it changes even the way that I look at retirement. Um, I, I feel that it's really important to live life to the fullest. Um, and so even for me, for example, if it means delaying my retirement from some age that people just pick out of the air, which is 65, right? That's kind of like the retirement age. I'm going to retire at 65. Arbitrary. Um, and I think that what I've seen people be like in retirement is the more that they use their mind later in life. It's one of the things that makes people happy is, you know, keeping cognitively engaged. And so I don't mind spending more money now on vacations, experiences, time with kids, um, bucket list issues while my body's still in good shape. I'd rather do that and retire a little bit later, but it's part of my plan. I've ran the numbers. I know what my cash flow looks like. And, and I can program in various levels of spending on things like vacation for the next 15, 20 years. And I love what I do. So it's really hard to figure, think of myself as fully retiring, especially at 65. It seems like it's right around the corner. Um, so you, you've got to figure out what makes you happy. And if you love your job, then maybe it's, you know, work less. Um, but, and, and travel more later in life and it, it, concentrate on health. You have to concentrate on health because I can't tell you how very rarely does a week go by, Rob, 
where I'm not hearing about a client health issue or a problem that's keeping them from doing the things that they want to do. And a lot of times it's because people didn't concentrate on health. And we're seeing that with this huge diabetes epidemic in America right now. I mean, we can kind of go off on a tangent on that. But yeah, really, let's let's focus on, you know, being happy in retirement, making sure you have enough money. That's that's one. But what are you going to do? That's number two. And let me attest to what you just said. My dad worked basically until the day he died, never really got to enjoy retirement. And then my mother had a stroke and lived for another 20 years after the stroke in poor health and eventually wound up losing her mind with Alzheimer's. Not a good way to go. So, Chad, you mentioned at this last seven test event that one of the keys to success is getting unbiased advice from the advisor you're working with. Give me an example here of bad advice versus a fiduciary. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a good one is somebody that kind of got started late in life on retirement, right? A lot of us, especially in the Bay Area where it's really expensive to live, a lot of people aren't really able to finally max out their 401ks and save beyond that because you can put so much into a 401k these days, right? Over 30 grand if you're 50 or above. Wow. Um, a lot of people can't afford to save that plus some outside of a retirement account until their kids are done with college, yeah. right? So that's well into your 50s. And so people finally sit down, they finally do a plan. The kids are out. Okay. I've got some extra cash flow. Let's, let's do a retirement plan. And they kind of realize, Oh boy, I've got to work till I'm like 75. Right. I got to delay social security till I'm 70, but I still got to work a little bit and, and work until I'm 75. And so recently we had a guy come in. It was 73 years old and he was still working. Um, because he, he knew he had to put in about three more years. Um, he thought in order to have enough to say, okay, yeah, I can finally call it quits. And about two years prior to that, he actually switched jobs. And, uh, the reason why he was coming in is because he heard me talk about annuities and, you know, you and I have talked for years about annuities. I came out of that side of the business with my grandfather when I was you know 19 years old. So I know the good and I know the bad. And I also know that about 90% of them, the 99% of annuities are bad. Um, they're riddled with high fees and people that sell them tend to make about 5% of what you put in. So if you put in a hundred grand, they're making five grand, right? And so the sales pitches are really good. And what happened was this guy went to a so-called financial advisor that was just selling annuities with these lifetime guarantees that are really kind of fake in many cases because of the expenses involved. And so this guy leaves one job and goes to another one. So he takes his 401k and he rolls it into an IRA, right? And then he goes to work at the new job and then realizes that he's now subject to required minimum distributions out of that IRA because he's 73 years old. Well, the advisor, the so-called advisor didn't talk to him about that. The so-called advisor was so, so focused on getting him to roll over his 401k into an IRA annuity to make a commission that he didn't tell him that, Hey, it might not be a good idea to roll to an IRA in your case, because if you roll to an IRA, you're subject to RMDs. But if you're 73 years old or older and you're still working for a company that you don't own um, and you have the money in a 401k, that's one way that you can avoid these required minimum distributions if you're over 73. So if you're over 73, you're still working and you don't own the company. 401k is not actually subject to required minimum distributions. So, the better advice, the non-biased advice of that situation would have been, Hey, you're still, you're still working. You're 73 years old. Um, 
and you want to, or you're trying to save as much as possible, you should actually roll it from your old 401k into your new 401k. So you are not subject to those required minimum distributions. So he appreciated that. He rolled back his IRA, got, got out of the expensive annuity. That was like three and a half percent internal fees, rolled it back into his 401k and is now saving a bunch of money on taxes because he's not having to take a required minimum distribution out of that IRA. It's interesting that you bring that up. Um, required minimum distributions. We'll talk about them a little more, but for me, it's a lot of math that I don't like doing. I like accumulating wealth, but I've got too many accounts, Chad. I've had a couple jobs. Spouses had a couple jobs. I've had different flavors of accounts, Roth, IRA, 401k. Um, how easy is it for you to look at that stuff and like kind of like get a calm presence and say, easy, let me show you how to do this. Yep. Yeah, it, it is really easy. I mean, con- account consolidation is really helpful for a lot of okay. people. A lot of times yep. people come in and, you know, they've kind of saved, they've moved jobs, they've rolled 401ks over, they've started accounts at various places. And a lot of times people don't realize that whether or not you have a IRA that you contributed to or an IRA that rolled over from a 401k, those can all be consolidated now. There used to be laws that years ago that made it so you had to keep them separate, but those can all be consolidated now. Let's say you have taxable accounts, right? And what I mean by a taxable account is when you invest it outside of your IRA in a brokerage account, like at Fidelity, Schwab, E-Trade, um, whatever it may be, you can pick a, a custodian like Fidelity or Schwab and you can transfer all of those assets in kind into that one brokerage account and consolidate everything without paying taxes on those positions. And so, yeah, we can talk more about how RMDs work and why a lot of those IRAs, you want to consolidate them well after you're, when you're done working. So come meet Chad. Coming up Saturday, October 28th, 10 a.m. to noon, 10 a.m. to noon. It's a Saturday event, Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City, seven tests of retirement readiness and happiness. He's going to hit taxes. That's one test. Income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, health and wellness, and more. Sign up at Rob Black Show or chadburton.com. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. This is a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. We do it through daily news, stock market ideas, investing insurance, saving, college versus getting a blue-collar job. Is it worth it? Is it not? A lot of blue-collar jobs now started over $120,000. A lot of college jobs started $60,000. There's no topic we won't hit. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking about required minimum distributions. Obviously, this is a wealth preservation and income and retirement kind of vibe to it. We have a big event coming up, the seven tests of retirement readiness. It's going to be Saturday, October 28th, Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City, right off the 92 bridge. Great location, easy parking. And when things are said and done, we can all chat and talk stocks and watch some college football because there's a good sports bar there. Chad, how do RMDs work? It's something that's a little uh how shall we say taboo it's something that we don't really think about until we need to think about it well yeah and and you can also think of it as a as a ticking tax time bomb oh There's no cpa called uh, ed slot that's kind of an ira rmd guru type of a guy um and people might have seen him on pbs before but 
what happens is people, you know, put money into their IRAs and 401ks pre-tax and it grows tax deferred forever. But once you start taking money out, it's a hundred percent taxable. Um, and a lot of people kind of go into retirement saying, well, I'm going to hold off as long as possible. And that's a lot of times not the best bet. And then the IRS says, Hey, by the way, if you hit a certain age, which is now 73, it used to be 70 and a half. It went to 72 for a year. And now it's age 73. Uh, that's when you have to start taking money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, you know, all these pre-tax retirement accounts. The only way to avoid it is if you are, you know, 73 or older and you're still working for a company that you don't own, that 401k that you have at that company is not subject to required minimum distributions. Your IRAs are, but that 401k is not. About for those that are having to work beyond age 73. Um, so the way it works, let's assume somebody's retired. Let's assume they have like a couple 401ks in the past, a couple of IRAs. Um, your required minimum distribution is you, is you look at the year end balance of your IRAs. So if you're right now looking at this October of 2023, you're going to look at your December 31st, 2022 value of your IRAs. And then there's a table that the IRS puts out and you look at the table and say, okay, I'm 73 years old. I got to take my December 31st value and divide it by 26 and a half. Right. So if you've got a million dollars in your various IRAs, you'd have to take out 37,736 bucks. That's, that's the amount. Now the next year, the divisor is 25.5 and the smaller the, the divisor, the, the, the larger you have to take out every year. Cause the IRS, the, the way that this table works is they think they're going to have you draw down your IRA by the time you die. Right. So that you pay taxes sooner than later. Okay. Now the issue is, is Rob, let's say you have, um, you know, you retire and you've got an old 401k at your old employer. You got the 401k that you retired with and you've got an IRA. In that scenario, a person would need to take a required minimum distribution out of each account. Because every 401k you have, you have to take a, a required minimum distribution out of each one. So that's why a lot of times people will retire and consolidate all of their 401ks and IRAs into one IRA account so that they can simplify their life and take the proper amount out each year. Um, and so a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Do you take the RMD in a lump sum or do you spread it out over 12 months? Uh, it, it depends on how people need it, right? Okay. So if a person is living off of their IRA anyways and they need that as income, then we'll distribute that amount or possibly more on a monthly basis, okay. right? And what I, I like to do is calculate, okay, what are the person's taxes that they're going to owe? And we have that withheld out of the IRA and the proper amount. So they don't have to worry about making quarterly estimated tax payments, which is really annoying in retirement, especially if you're trying to travel and do other things. Um, so there are some people though, Rob, that have enough income from their dividends, from their stocks, their real estate, their, their cash accounts, and they don't need the required minimum distribution. In that case, a lot of times I'll process it one time a year and we'll, you know, process the required minimum distribution, withhold the taxes and move the money back over to their taxable or joint or trust account and just keep it invested. Um, the one way that you can avoid it is, and this starts at age 70 and a half, Rob, okay. is the IRS says that you can give up to a hundred grand a year out of your IRA directly to a nonprofit organization, 503C. 
and avoid paying taxes on those required minimum distributions. And it actually helps satisfy your required minimum distribution. So if you're 73 years old, especially if you don't need the required minimum distribution, um, and you give to, you tithe to your church, you give to various charities throughout the year, start doing that from your IRA. That's going to help you tax wise. Um, and you, there's two ways to do it. You either fill out a form with your custodian. So like, let's say it's Schwab or Fidelity, larger amount, you can follow, fill out a form called a qualified charitable distribution. And it'll send the money from your IRA account directly to your favorite charity. And so that that's a really good route to go once you're over 70 and a half is really focus. Okay, how am I going to give my charitable gifts? Out of my IRA. You know, I think 95% of Americans don't know that, Chad. And 100% of CFPs do. I've, you, I've talked... My charitable gifting is going to come out of my bank account. It's not coming out of my uh, retirement accounts. In my head, I'm like, it blows my mind that you're trying to tell me that you could do that. Rob, I've talked to many charities in the past. Like I've run into people that, you know, do run smaller charities. They're trying to raise money. I'm like, well, make sure you tell people about their, you know, required minimum distribution option. And they're like, what are you talking about? Exactly. So a lot of charities don't even really realize that yet. Um, so it, that was supposed to end, but they extended that on one of the, I don't know, there's been so many acts, Secure Act, Retirement Act, Inflation yeah. Reduction Act that's affected these things that it, it's now something you're going to be able to do for the, the future. Can I ask a silly question? Could someone like a Vanguard Schwab, could they help do this or does it need to be a CFP? Because I can tell you if I don't have a CFP, I want Schwab or Fidelity to do it for me. I don't want to do it myself because it's too, you came up with numbers 73, 70 and a half, 76, uh, 26.5, 25.5. You're throwing down a lot of numbers that are just too much for my, me in old age. So your custodian of your IRA is going to report to you um, every year what your required minimum distribution is yeah. from that account. But most clients have various, they, they have multiple accounts, right? They might have a money, they're uh, an IRA that's, invested in individual bond ladder and other IRA that's, you know, invested in normal stocks and, and funds and things like that. And so let's say you do have multiple IRAs. You can add them all up and just take the required minimum distribution for all three IRAs out of one account. So uh, custodians are not allowed to give tax planning. And as we get into the idea of RMDs and IRA to Roth conversions, they're, they're not going to give you tax advice. We've got about a minute left in this segment. Is there anything else we need to hit in this topic? Well, I think that, you know, there's, we, we know that age 73, you have to start taking money out of your IRAs and 401ks and 403bs. Um, and so the idea is that to maintain control of your tax bracket, you start dealing with this from the retirement age to age 73, not after that. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts, regardless of where they're held. Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. 
CFP stands for Certified Financial Planner. I could say the same thing 25 years ago when I met Chad. I was more of a stock picker. I was more of an investment advisor, registered investment advisor. I was, what's happening in the market? I had tapping the vein. I could feel it. I could feel what was happening in the market. But the big problem was, I was like, what do you do with all this money? What do you do when you get to retirement? Man walks in the door and I was like, this guy's a genius. CFP Chad Burton. He's a regional director with EP Wealth. He's also a certified financial planner who has a team in Northern California as well as uh, the Pacific Northwest. He's going to be doing an event with me, Seven Tests of Retirement, Readiness and Happiness. Location's going to be Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City, Saturday, October 28th, 10 to noon. The event will get you through the seven tests. It's fast and it's serious. It takes about an hour and a half, two hours to go through. Taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, health and wellness. Here to talk a little bit more about the type of content that he delivers is CFP Chad Burton. Chad, can you explain the different phases of planning around RMDs and Roth conversions? Yeah, you bet. So RMDs, required minimum distributions, that's where you have to start taking money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, which is kind of like a teacher's 401k, right? Um, at age 73. And so you have to start taking money out and paying the taxes on that money. So the idea is that you can go from retirement through age 73 at a very low bracket. You can live off of your cash or dividends and interest, rental income, whatever it may be, and enjoy a very, very low tax bracket. And then all of a sudden your taxes explode after age 73. Um, so you have to fight that, what uh, CPA Ed Slot calls a ticking tax time bomb, right? You've got to, it, it's, it's one of the things that you can control in retirement to help keep your overall expenses down is by smoothing out your taxes over a long period of time. So you and I always think about how do we pay the least amount of taxes this year? Well, once you retire, it's how do I pay the least amount of taxes over a 35 plus year period? So the different phases, the, the phase between age 65 and 73 is, is fairly easy. Um, essentially what you're doing there is you, you get towards the end of the year, right? Now is a good time to start thinking about this where you know what your taxable income is for the year. So to think about what taxable income is, first, everybody needs to realize that you either take the standard deduction or you itemize your deductions. Either way, the first in retirement, when you're 65 or over, the first almost $30,000 of income that you have from your IRA and Social Security and things like that is, is totally tax-free because of either the standard deduction or your itemized deductions if that one is higher. Now, to think about it this way, the next... If you're, I'm going to talk about joint filers right now. $22,000 is taxed at 10%. Between $22,000 and $89,450 is taxed at 12%, Rob. Hmm. So let's say you get towards the end of the year right now and you work with your advisors and you say, okay, it looks like my income, my taxable income is going to be about $70,000. Well, you know that 12% bracket that you're always going to be in 12% or higher in retirement that 12% bracket maxes out at 89,450. So that person that's sitting in, let's say December at $70,000 of taxable income, and they know they're always going to be at 12%, well, they should consider converting $19,000 from their IRA to their Roth, which means you, you, you open up a Roth account, you fill out a form that converts $19,000 from your IRA over to your Roth account, and that causes a tax event, right? You're going to report another $19,000 of, of income 
But once that money moves over from your IRA to your Roth, it's going to grow tax-free forever. It's not going to be subject to required minimum distributions, which means it's going to lower your required minimum distributions after age 73 and lower your tax brackets in the future. And then if you pass away with that Roth IRA, your spouse can roll it into their Roth IRA, your kids can roll it into an inherited Roth IRA and have another 10 years of tax-free growth. So the more you have in a Roth IRA, the less that you'll pay uh, in taxes, the less chance that you'll have paying higher Medicare premiums, all sorts of good things happen around having way more money in a Roth IRA at retirement. So that's between 65 Hmm. and 73. After age 73, your required minimum distributions kick in. You can't convert any of your required minimum distributions, Rob. You have to take the required minimum distribution, figure out where your tax bracket is, and you can convert more if you want to, but you've got to take that RMD first. So that all makes sense so far? It does. Um, It's a process, though, of digesting it and hearing it a second time and a third time. Yep. So you, you want to make it more complicated because <laughs> <laughs> the government did that for us. <laughs> the government did that for us recently. So there's these things called premium tax credits, right? For the Affordable Care Act or, you know, the covered California plans if you're in California. So let's talk about early retirees for a second. Let's say you retire when you're 62 years old. You don't get on Medicare until you're 65, So between 62 and 65, you might go on COBRA for your health insurance through your employer for at the most 18 months, but most people don't go on that very long because it's expensive. So between 62 and 65, you're on your own in terms of healthcare costs and you're buying one of the plans through Covered California. And even though you might have a large amount of assets, whether or not you get tax credits, premium tax credits on your tax return depends on how much uh, adjusted gross income you have. And so you might have a lot of assets, but your adjusted gross income is based on your dividends, your interest, um, you know, any social security that you might have, rental income and things like that. So you have to be careful between the ages of retirement and 65 that converting money from an IRA to a Roth, I've seen it in some cases where you go from, you know, over $20,000 of premium tax credits to none if you do that. So it could be a very expensive IRA to Roth conversion. So that's that's a new kind of wrench in the system that we've got to deal with. And when you read about this stuff, Rob, it's it was extremely confusing on how it works. And then um, if, and if your income the next year goes way up, there's a potential that you could pay some of it back. But the Inflation Reduction Act kind of messed with that a little bit too and made it so you don't have to pay it all back in some cases. It's really odd and it's very, very confusing, but it's something that people need to think about for those that are retiring before age 65. You make the complicated seem simple. I know other certified financial planners look at you with respect because of how you handle this content. Should I move on to, is there an income limit or should we stick with this for a little bit longer? No, that's a very common question. Is is there an income limit to convert money from an IRA to a Roth? Okay. And there is not. I mean, you could do it right now if you wanted to, Rob. You could do you could even do it inside a 401k where you can convert pre-tax money in a 401k into the Roth bucket of the 401k if the plan allows it and go ahead and pay the taxes now. The government is more than happy for you to pay taxes on that money. The income limits have to do if you're contributing directly to a Roth IRA, right? 
not converting money from an IRA to a Roth, there's no income limits. But when you want to contribute money from your bank account to a Roth IRA, there's income limits for that. So that confused. The, the, the other limitations are, number one, have you done a cash flow, you know, very detailed cash flow analysis that includes taxes, inflation, all your healthcare costs to see if, you know, making an IRA to a Roth conversion makes sense. And another limitation is, do you have the cash outside of retirement accounts to pay the tax if you decide to convert money from an IRA to a Roth? So if you don't, it makes it a lot harder to make make it all make sense. Sometimes we have to say, let's say in 2023, we make an IRA to a Roth conversion. And then in early in 2024, we pull enough money out of the IRA to pay the taxes on that conversion. And then we skip the conversion that year. So it's kind of an alternating tax scenario. Um, and then another thing that really you got to consider is that what I'm seeing a lot of people that retire and they've got two E's, a lot of money in an IRA or 401k that has not been taxed, but also then a very concentrated stock position from the company that they work for, like Apple or Microsoft, Amazon, you know, Broadcom or Avago, whatever you want to call it now. Um, and so then we have to say, okay, what's more important dealing with that concentrated stock position than a high level of risk? or the IRA to Roth conversion. So it's why I love the business so much. Everybody's very different based on their tax situation, their risk tolerance, yeah, yeah. Uh, family dynamics. Uh, it really keeps me interested. I could say that's true um, for the same exact reasons. Let me get this right. Is a 401k similar to an IRA in this case? Have you ever taken money out of a 401k and converted it to a Roth? Uh, yeah. Um, so You've done that. See, I've, I've never heard anyone even bring that up. Yeah, the where it happens a lot. I mean, I mean, you can get really into the weeds on this, Rob. Like, what I love it when when I have self employed people that, you know, either, you know, have a Schedule C income or they have their sole proprietor, they have a an S corp. You can create four hundred one k plans where you do the pre tax contribution, a profit sharing contribution, and you can potentially go in and put in a bunch of money in after tax into the four hundred one k that immediately converts to the Roth tax free. Um, so there's all sorts of strategies there for the self-employed, but, uh, typically most plans now, um, can't have the ability of the pre-tax 401k to the Roth, if it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sometimes where it's made really big sense for a person, we've had to roll money out of the 401k to an IRA and then convert it to a Roth. That's pretty fascinating. Again, a strategy I've never even thought about because my, I've got a pea-sized brain when it comes to wealth preservation, retirement planning, but wealth creation, I'm pretty good. Seven tests of retirement readiness and happiness coming up Saturday, October 28, 10 to noon, Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City, right off the 92 bridge, close to Visa. A lot of shopping. So come see the event, hear the event, participate in the event. Talk with CFP Chad Burton and his associates who are all financial planners. They will be there answering questions and get a good education on taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and much, much more. Afterwards, you can go shopping because there's a lot of malls uh, right there. And again, it's that holiday season we all find. So please, let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at chadburton.com. He's with EP Wealth. He's a regional director as well as a certified financial planner. Um, solid career as a financial planner, but a new kind of career as a regional director, which means he gets to manage other CFPs and form them like he formed himself or in the image of himself. Chad, let's talk a little bit about the unexpected retirement expenses. Um, there are many. 
Oh, yeah. I think the biggest one that I see when people try to run their own spreadsheets in terms of how long is my money going to last is the taxes, right? A lot of people just don't. Sometimes it's completely missing from the scenario that they run or they just don't understand how it works because it is a very complicated tax system. And I will say that what happened in 2017, um, right now we're sitting under the the most... I don't know, probably the best tax situation that we've ever been in for retirees in the 30 years that I've been doing this. Um, there, there's so much that you can do around current tax law, but it is, is, is very confusing. I mean, Medicare and social security, for example, is very confusing. Like social security, you take, you know, one half of your social security plus all of your other income, including tax-free income. And you get this number called provisional income. And if it's over a certain amount, 50% of your social security is taxable. If it's over another amount, 85% of your social security is taxable. None of it makes sense. That's the case. What, what, you, what, you, just said, what you just said doesn't make sense to me. It's Well, I call it, you know, whiskey night in Congress when they created that law, because it just doesn't, it's stupid. It just, the, the numbers are so arbitrary. It does not make sense. Um, so that's one is taxes on everything, including social security. Um, inflation is a big one, right? You, you've mm-hmm. got to take your normal expenses and inflate them at least around two and a half percent, your healthcare costs at 5%. And healthcare costs is something that catch people off guard anyway. So, you know, we use, you know, close to $700 a month per person in healthcare costs to cover your Medicare B, uh, prescription drug copays on an annual basis. And it's cheaper than that when you first start out at 65, but later in life, it gets more expensive. So you got to have some sort of a number that you inflate over the long term. And then you've got, of course, nursing home costs. You know, once you hit 70, there's a 60% chance you're going to spend some time in a nursing home. The other thing that I forget that people forget to put in their plan. I might need a new car every 10 years. Oh, by the way, home maintenance, Rob, that's another drastically underestimated expense that people never have in their plan. Don't get me started on home maintenance. And it always comes in threes, right? You get a roof leak and two appliances go out in the same year. That's that's how it happens every single time. It comes in threes. I got a little Um, rot from beetles. Oh boy, yeah. And then they open up the wall and find everything else. And all of a sudden, oh, now I've got to paint my entire house because I opened up this part of my wall. (laughs) The best part about ever opening up part of a wall, I found a hammer inside the wall, which tells me this has been opened up before. (laughs) They just dropped it and got a new one. I like it. Um, Gifts is another big one, right? Because you you have kids, but eventually they'll have grandkids. All of a sudden, Christmas starts to get pretty expensive. And then I get calls all the time. Hey, just had a grandkid. I, I think I want to put in, you know, ten thousand dollars for a five twenty nine plan. These are big expenses. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Losing a spouse, um, whether it's death or divorce, expenses aren't just cut in half, right? The only the only expenses that are cut in half are like you know personal care and things like that. So a lot of people realize that okay, I've lost a spouse, so the smaller Social Security check goes away, but they still have the majority of the expenses. Now here's a big one, Rob. If if people haven't traveled lately and they're running off of a five or ten thousand dollar travel budget in retirement, that's not gonna get them anything these days. I mean, some of these places, whether it's like Costa Rica or Mexico or whatever, it's not that cheap anymore. The prices have gone way up. Uh airline tickets way up. Um, so travel expenses are much higher than I think most people estimate. That's when I look at a list of expenses, that's one of the first things that we know we're gonna need to adjust. And another interesting one is just transportation, right? And as people are living longer, but they lose their ability to drive, what are the transportation costs? 
Uh, and then some mishaps that I see, you know, from enabling children, family loans that never get paid back, business loans to kids or grandkids, starting a business that never gets paid back. It's those kind of things that really catch people off guard. And you need to think about as you go into retirement, especially if you're living on a very strict budget. There's something to be said there about our near term memories, Chad, because you just talked about travel and transportation. And I remember when Ubers felt really, really cheap to get around town. And now they don't feel so cheap. And travel, I used to take my family on vacation to Hawaii for $5,000 to $6,000. Now it's $10,000 to $12,000. Yeah. Um, but my memory was like, oh, it's got half this much. Um, it, 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 I mean, just to give you an example, it was recently in, in Punta de Mita, which is, mm, you know, 30, 40 minutes away from Puerto Vallarta. Um, and Sayulita, which is, you know, it's a surf town, right? It's, it's, (laughs) it's not a super, it's kind of a hippie-ish surf town, right? It's all geared, that whole area is geared towards surfing, which is why we went. And we stayed about, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, um, out of town and cab rides. When you, when you call the hotel that you're staying at and get a cab ride in, it's like 30 bucks. That's not cheap at all. Now, when you pull up, the Uber app there, Lyft app, it, it shows that, oh yeah, it's going to be $10, $12, but then they never show up. <laughs> so, cause they don't like it down there. Um, and then eating out was just as expensive as the States in a town that was supposed to be a lot cheaper a couple of years ago. So yeah, if vacations costs have gone way up. I divvy life up into three parts, zero to 20, kind of the fun, best parts, not a lot of responsibilities, 20 to 60. That's where we work and save and invest so that we can live from age 60 to 100 off of our nest egg. That's the basics of it for me. We could put more color on it. We could refine the times. But this is a show today dedicated about age 60 to 100. I have CFP Chad Burton from EP Wealth on. We have a big event coming. Seven tests of retirement readiness and happiness. Saturday, October 28, 10 to noon. Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City. It's right off the 101, right off the 92 bridge, um, where they kind of intersect. It's a great location, 10 to noon. It's a 90-minute to 120-minute event. We show up about 30 minutes early. We stay 30 minutes late. So if you have questions on any of your financial issues, bring them. If you want to bring your portfolio, we'll set up a comp view on a Zoom call a little bit later. Um, or if you want to meet in person, we can do that too. Taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, health and wellness, seven tests of retirement readiness. This is a new event put together by CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad, how are you? Doing well, Rob. How about you? Good. You agree with me that we basically zero to 20 fun, 20 to 60 work, 60 to 100 live off what we created and work? Yeah, definitely. And I, I see the, you know, there's a big catch up phase when people's, their kids get through college yeah. and then all of a sudden they truly have no kid expenses. I've got three in college this year, Rob. So let's talk about expenses there. I've got one in <laughs> but, private high school, yeah, which I bet yeah. is more expensive than any of your kids' colleges. Could be. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Oh man. Um, so yeah, there, there's that phase of, okay, I'm going to finally catch up. How long do I really have to work now that the kids are out of college? That's where people typically get pretty serious about their plans. Um, we've got an update coming out for the 15 things to do before you need to hire a financial advisor. Oh, good. Which talks about, you know, maxing out your 401k, doing a Roth IRA, doing all of these things that you can do on your own. Yeah. Because most of the time, fee only fiduciary style financial advisors like EP Wealth and the certified financial planners that we have here, we have half a million dollar account minimum. So there's a lot of stuff that you need to do on your own to get to that point. 
And the more you do on your own and you can educate yourself around finances, the better client you're really going to be because then you can understand where your strengths and weaknesses are and what you do need to delegate. Um, and what a true detailed financial plan when it comes to taxes and everything else. Cause the accumulation part is somewhat easy. Right. It's the distribution planning that is, is a huge issue, right? Timing the market when you're investing throughout your life doesn't matter at all. In fact, the most you can do is when things are scary, like March of 09, uh, COVID at the bottom, um, that's the best time to try to accelerate and put more money into the market. It's, it's when you, sad because I used to say, Sada was saying made me a lot of money because every time he yeah. invades, like the market would go down, oil would go up. That was the best buying opportunity. So you're right. Go on. Yeah, no, exactly. And so the, timing the market doesn't matter when you're investing. And you never are in a situation, neither you or I have met anybody that's all in and all out in market times and has outperformed the S&P 500 over a 15-year period. Um, but the issue is that when you're in retirement, you do have to time your withdrawals. You have to make sure that you have for money set aside to get through the the tough years that occur in the market every you know seven to 10 years or so. You get these big major corrections. Yep. And you have to make sure that you are not drawing on your portfolio, that you're not selling shares of your stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, bonds in a down market. Because if you sell shares in a down market, there's less shares in there to recover because the market always recovers. But if you're pulling money out at the bottom, that's that's a mathematical nightmare. So you go into retirement, you have enough safe money set aside and a nice balanced portfolio and make sure that you have the proper withdrawal strategy and you can make it through you know, any significant market events. So one of the seven tests is safe money test. How much yep. should you have in your balanced portfolio versus in safe FDIC insured savings accounts, treasuries, T-bills with the government. Is social security part of the calculation? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, social okay. security is a big, a, a big part of the calculation. Um, so the first thing you do is you need to have a very correct list of your expenses, right? All of the expenses that you're going to have in retirement, including what your annual tax bill is going to be and what your annual healthcare expenses are going to be. A lot of people don't get that tax part right. They don't, uh, by the way, hey, when you draw money out of your 401k, you're going to pay taxes on that. So that's right. part of your expenses. And so you have all of your expenses minus your automatic income. And so Social Security is a big part of that. Now, most people are waiting until they're 70 these days, as long as they're going to live into their mid-80s or beyond. But you have, so there could be two phases of your safe money planning, Rob, before and after Social Security. So it's your, all of your expenses minus your automatic income, social security, pension. Um, in some cases, if people have very dependable rental properties that they've had for years, we'll take that, that rental income, sometimes a certain amount of dividends and interest from their portfolio, if it makes sense. Um, some people have maybe a guaranteed annuity income stream or something like that. So you have all of your expenses minus your automatic income sources. The, the resulting value is how much you're going to have to draw out of your portfolio or your cash accounts every single year. Uh, and you need to make sure that you have three years worth of that number set aside really, really safe. So typically if it's your taxable account, and right now it's FDIC insured money market savings accounts, you can get 5% or more um, through some of these online banks, whether it's Marcus, Ally360, uh, for clients who use a thing called Flourish or Stonecastle. Um, and so you can actually earn safe money inside your IRAs. You can buy CDs and T bills and, tr and treasuries and things like that, that can also be considered safe money. 
And your 401k, if you're still working, you can do a stable value fund. All those are, those are much lower than bank account rates these days, Rob. But five years from retirement, you need to have done this calculation. You should have that money set aside and safe so that you can retire without fear of what's going on in the market that year. So for, for example, if people back in October of 2007, before a, you know, nearly 50% market decline by March of 09, if people were about to retire in October, 2007, they were supposed to retire January, 2008, they put off their retirement. If they were fully invested in, in a growth portfolio and they saw it decline that much, they put off their retirement. I saw that in 1999 as well. Interesting um, and, you say that because 2007, 2009 wasn't that long ago for me. And when mm-hmm. it was happening, I was like screaming by an opportunity because I wasn't close to retirement. Now that I'm close to retirement, my ears perk up when you say that. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, and let's, let's give an example of this. And, and I go into detail at the, at the retirement events and, and help people understand, you know, how to do the portfolio construction. Because if you look at a, at the stock market, right? If you look at the, the stock market, well, we'll have to probably hold this over, but a balanced portfolio, if it, the decline started in October of 2007, but by November of 2010, a, a 60 40 style, you, you know, SP and, and bond portfolio recovered by November of 2010. So that was a three year period. And so as long as you weren't pulling, having to sell shares, as long as you were able to live off your cash or dividends and your interest in social security, your portfolio re- recovered by November of 2010. If you were selling shares on the decline and on the uptick to, to, maintain your expenses, you didn't recover in 2010. It took much longer. Chad, let's talk social security. There's been a lot of talk lately around the growth of the U.S. debt. Now again, there's been talk for 30 years around U.S. debt. I mean, it's it's Times Square's got that rolling debt clock that freaks me out. It's a big issue though, um, especially since our cost of financing our debt have gone up with interest rates. A lot of people are concerned the system is in trouble. So should they take social security sooner rather than later. Um, do you think the system's in trouble? Well, I, I mean, Jerome Powell just recently said, you know, it's on an unsustainable path in terms of the U S debt. So we need Congress to address this <laughs> issue. Good luck. Um, yeah. And this whole debt ceiling debate is, it's just such a political waste of time um, to say, are we going to pay for a budget that we've already passed and let's use it as a tool. It's just so stupid. So it is frustrating, but at the same time, we haven't seen a president yet that has, has saved more money. I mean, you had Trump involved with the PPP loans that were not repaid and then were not watched over by Biden. So it's both sides of the aisle that are in complete denial. Um, so it, it spooks a lot of people and they say, well, I just better take my social security as soon as possible because it's, it's, it's going broke by 2032. And that's really not the case under current projections. The idea here is, is that because of the baby boom population, you know, 10,000 people turning 65 every day right now, is that there's going to be more payments out of Social Security than Social Security is taking in as income. Now, what is, how do they get that income? They just look at your paycheck from work. And that FICA that you see on there, that is what Social Security receives. That's the Social Security tax. Right. Okay. So, and a lot of people, what they need to realize if they become a self-employed person, you end up having to pay both sides of that tax. So it goes from around 6.2% to 12.4% before you pay any other taxes. So it's expensive. That's brutal. 
Yeah. And so that's why I always tell people, if you're going to go self-employed, make sure you can make 130% more of what you're making now between FICA and benefits and everything else. That's a whole other show. So by law, though, the, the system has to change because if they have to start paying out in Social Security benefits more than they're taking in, then by law, the system has to change. And it's been changing over time. Now, I will say that if you're 60 or over right now, I wouldn't be concerned. I would take Social Security based on your life expectancy and your needs, not because of the system going broke, okay? Because there's several ways to fix Social Security. Some of it they've already been doing. So for example, FICA tax that funds Social Security, it's adjusted annually according to the average wage index. So right now we pay FICA tax on your first $160,200 of income. So if a person is making 300 grand this year, Rob, they're only paying that FICA tax on the first $160,200. That's right. And not too long ago, that was around a hundred grand. So we're already paying that 6.2%. Yeah. On, you know, 60 grand more of income next year, it's projected to be 170,400. So they're already increasing the amount of our income that we're paying FICA tax on. So that's one solution. Delayed retirement, you know, making the full retirement age, um, which right now, for example, your full retirement age for those that are born 1960 or after is 67. If you take social security before that, you get penalized um, so increasing that to more like 70 is, is an option. Um, another type of proposal that is out there is that subjecting more types of income to FICA tax, like your investment income, your dividends, your interest, your rental properties, having that subject to, to tax, you know, they did that with Medicare already. Yeah. In, in the Affordable Care Act of 2010. Right. So there, there's options out there that they, they have to tackle, but nobody tackles it during election time because that's just, you know, most of the people that vote tend to be older. So um, and I, one of the segments I mentioned how stupid the tax is on Social Security, because when you retire and you take Social Security, you, you paid into Social Security as a tax, but they take over a certain amount and the formula is really stupid. So you take one half your social security plus all your other income, including tax-free bond income. And if you're married, finally jointly, you make over like 32,000, 50% of your social security is taxable. If you make over 42,000, I think it is, it's 85% is taxable. And it's a complicated formula. It's called provisional income. And it doesn't make any sense. None of the numbers come from anywhere that you could point to. It's just like they made it up. And so I think eventually they're going to make it so that 100% of your social security is taxable income. That's another issue that is being dealt with out there. So it's not a bankrupt situation. It's not a situation where the government's stealing money out of social security to fund other things. It's an, a, an outflow versus an inflow issue. And there are ways to fix it, but you know nobody's really tackling it yet. So if you're under you know, 60 or under, you know, you might want to say, oh, well, maybe I take Social Security in my plan, but I don't adjust it for inflation. If you're over 60, I think you're fine. Most people want to wait till they're 70 to take it where it really maxes out and gets you a good rate of return as long as you're going to live well into your 80s. Let's talk a little Monte Carlo. Um, did you know Monte Carlo is located in Monaco? And it what we're going to talk about has nothing to do with the big, sexy luxury city to visit. It has to do with financial planning. Chad, what do we need to know about Monte Carlo simulations? Yeah, and it's used a lot, you know, even in the engineering world. 
in the financial planning world, um, it's kind of, well, I think there's a lot of advisors out there that use it incorrectly. They're not even doing it right. Okay. Um, but it is tests of retirement planning. In fact, it's number five in the event that, that you're going to go to. And the idea here is, is that, okay, everything we do in the first several steps of how long is your money going to last, it's all linear cash flow tests, right? You have to have a assumed rate of return on your investment portfolio, a fixed rate of return typically, right? You're saying, okay, how much am I, how am I invested in what's a, a, a correct rate of return based on how much cash bonds and stocks that I have? And make that a conservative rate of return. Look at a situation like from, say, October of 2010 to October of 2017. That 10-year period, one of the worst 10-year periods to invest in because of the Great Recession and low rates on bonds. So you even a globally diversified portfolio was a little under 6%. Um, during that time period, and that included the Great Recession. So you want to use a conservative rate of return on your linear cash flow model um, and a certain amount of inflation and taxes and all that goes into that linear cash flow model. But then what do you truly own in your portfolio? Because that's a that's an assumed fixed rate of return and fixed rate of inflation. But what do you truly own in your portfolio? What's your asset allocation like? Large cap, small cap, uh, international emerging markets, bonds. And there's all sorts of different types of bonds, right? There's California tax-free bonds, there's government bonds, mortgage bonds, um, corporate bonds. It, it all comes into play. And each one of those asset classes has measures of volatility. And so what Monte Carlo simulation does is it takes your existing portfolio and all of the different measures of volatility and everything else, and it randomize, randomizes the outcome. So when we run a model, for example, we'll push a button and it'll run over a thousand different scenarios on how did the market perform? Was it like, uh, you know, retiring in the late seventies where you had some inflation and rough returns and then this massive bull market for 20 years? Or was it the complete opposite of that? Is it a period of high inflation, low inflation? Um, and essentially you can look at the existing portfolio and get a success rate. Your linear cash flow model says, oh, I got enough money to last till age 100, but it doesn't look at the fact that you've got concentrated stock positions, um, only large cap and no small cap value, no real estate, you know, no, no other things like that. So, so you have to get a success rate. Now, I will bless retirement as long as your linear cash flow model works and your Monte Carlo simulation is above 85%. Uh, because I know that if you create a withdrawal strategy that we talk about all the time, which is here's my safe money, here's my portfolio and rebalancing on a quarterly basis, we can fight that other 15%, which it's all about the risk of the order of stock market returns. And Rob, I show in the event a, an example of a, a portfolio, one portfolio that averages 6% straight versus another portfolio that's volatile, but averages 6.2%. And the portfolio that has, <clears throat> excuse me, a 6% rate of return actually. And that all has to do with the order of the returns on how you got there. Um, so it's very important that you know that because the Monte Carlo simulation could say, okay, how do I adjust my portfolio and the underlying risk of assets and diversify properly so I can get my Monte Carlo simulation to actually work? So does that make sense so far? Rob, you there? Yeah, it does make sense to me. Um, five years ago, it didn't. But in the last five to 10 years, I've really brought myself up to speed on 
what Monte Carlo s- simulations can do right and how it can be wrong with bad inputs that aren't well defined. Oh, oh, I mean, you nailed it. And most of the time when people come in and they've, they've said, Oh, I, I had an uh, advisor run a Monte Carlo simulation. The inputs are so bad. Um, you have to, when you're doing a Monte Carlo simulation that has to do with existing assets, uh, most financial planning software will draw from various accounts at various times, like the conservative accounts first, then taxable, and then retirement. That's not what happens in real life. So you actually have to make sure that you're programming in to the simulation that, oh, yeah, I'm going into retirement with a specific portfolio. Say so 60, 40 stocks, bonds. You have to make sure that the system is also rebalancing that portfolio every year. Mm-hmm. So it's important to carefully consider assumptions and probabilities. I like it because it's very math driven. And like you said, if you hit a number over 85, you feel pretty comfortable, even though stuff happens. Um, but you it's know, taken you, into you, account. Go ahead. You're dead on. Yeah. So if you got your, you know, your portfolio set up properly, your linear cash flow model works. Um, you've got the safe money set up appropriately, you know, the right amount, which is the three years worth of portfolio draws and safe assets. And the idea here then is that once you go into retirement, you pass these tests. Every quarter, you look at your portfolio and say, okay, here's how much cash that I spent and here's how my portfolio did. If your portfolio grew and you spent some of your cash, you peel off enough of that growth to replenish your cash. And that draws a line in the sand of when you're supposed to sell. And Rob, what is what do, what do you always say to that is the hardest part about investing? I don't know. <laughs> Knowing when to sell? <laughs> Knowing when to sell. You know, come on, we're doing this. Almost, I don't know. Like, it's 24 it's, years together. <laughs> kind of a Jeopardy question that I wasn't expecting. I feel like Burt Riddles. I know. Uh, I, I remember that, gosh, when you're still on CNET and this girl was trying to talk you into her not selling one of the tech stocks that she owned. Yep. So you put your you put it so she couldn't hear you and you're just, sell it, sell it, sell it. <laughs> Let's see, what cup? Oh, is Exodus. Yeah, yeah. And she just keeps talking herself into why she shouldn't sell it. And and she wouldn't even listen. And it's really easy to fall in love with a stock, a mutual fund or an ETF and feel good about buying it. It goes up for a while. But then people just don't know when to sell. And the idea in retirement is that if you have a certain amount of cash and an asset allocation target, when the cash goes down and your portfolio goes up, you know you're supposed to sell. And does that mean you... Let's talk Does about that mean that you pay taxes? Second. Yeah, yeah. I did a portfolio review for, I didn't do it, but uh, one of your CFPs did, but I facilitated it. The guy had a highly concentrated position in Costco. And what was cool was he had worked his whole life there, Chad. Mm-hmm. He slowly accumulated stock. I think that's fantastic. But then he got to the point where he just didn't want to sell it. He didn't want to do options on it. He It wasn't really making a lot for him uh, as far as income goes. It just it kind of became a stagnant position because it's so concentrated. Yeah, I mean, a concentrated position where people just don't want to pay all the taxes now. They know they need to sell and they know they need to trim four or 5% a year to live. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, selling covered calls on it can be a very attractive way to create income without necessarily having to sell the stock. That's for a person that their number one priority is income and they're willing to ride the position, you know, action. Um, but that's something that we deal with all the time in concentrated stock positions, Rob, is, is okay, how do we deal with the taxes, the sentimental value of it, yep. um, and the overall risk? And so part of that is modeling a scenario. If this stock drops by 20, 30, 50%, is your retirement plan still going to work? And, the, and re- Go ahead. 
I was going to say, and that's, that's what helps people see like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I do remember WorldCom, Enron, all these other issues where stocks either dropped a lot and never came back. Like let's look at IBM um, or, or just went away altogether. And then that kind of opens your eyes. So say, you know what? Taxes aren't that bad right now. Let's, let's go ahead and trim. Funny statement about WorldCom is that you met me right around that time. And I actually made money in WorldCom because I was using it as an inefficient investment for a trade. But what I didn't know, I didn't know. And I got lucky. Yeah. And I see that all the time with people that you know trade around in penny stocks and stuff like that. Stocks under five bucks a share where it's really hard to get the true financials on a company. Yeah. Um, and they get addicted to kind of the gambling side of investing and then they get burned and then they think all investing is bad. And it's really sad because that's not what investing is about. Investing is about going into companies that can they grow their revenue? What's their income minus, expen- minus expenses? Are they profitable? You know, it's, it's the basics. You'll get a kick out of this. Me and my spouse were talking recently and she goes, you, you really have a great relationship with Chad now that you both don't co-own New Focus and now that you work with EP Wealth. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's really good at finding product. Do you have a quick second to talk about that product that you were talking about with um, where you could take a concentrated position like a Costco or an Apple and start diversifying it over time? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So... In one minute, it's really tough, but it's the idea of selling covered calls to create some ex- existing income on a position that if you're willing to, you know, you need to have income on it. And by selling calls, which is giving the right to somebody else to buy the stock at a higher value, um, you can create some income now and wait until the stock goes up essentially before you're kind of forced to trim and sell. Um, so you can participate in a majority of the upside or decent amount of the upside and use the income from selling the calls to create current income and or hedge some of the downside out of it. And then there's other ways to do it, covered uh, callers and, and things like that, that might make more sense. A lot of product for CFPs in retirement. Seven tests of retirement readiness and happiness. Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City, October 28th, 10 to noon. That's a Saturday. Sign up at chadburton.com. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.